question as you reflect on this past week. Did you live out your plan for your life, or did you live out God's plan for your life? Think about that. How many times did you frame up your day or frame up your week saying, okay, what does God want from me this week? How am I supposed to do His will this week? When you prayed, did you say, my kingdom come? <laughs> or thy kingdom come? Maybe you had an especially tough week. Were you in despair? Or were you trusting in God's plan for your life? I want to talk about that, how we can have more of a God's plan orientation in the way that we live from day to day, as Joseph did in his life. We're in the midst of a series on help for life's challenges. I'm going to look at uh, the challenges that Joseph faced and how he worked through those, acknowledging God's plan in his life. A verse that sums up how we should approach life is Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. So when you become a Christ follower, you need to submit yourself to Christ. He needs to be your Lord. And he needs to live through you. It's not you living anymore. It's not you trying to do better. It's not you, again, trying to do your best. It's Jesus Christ empowering you to live the supernatural life that he's called you to live. To live his plan, not your plan. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. So the idea is that when you're living God's life, you're in total dependence upon Him. You live by faith. You don't have all the answers. You see, when we live out our own lives, our own plan, it's all based on us typically. I mean, we ask God to endorse the plan, notarize the plan. <laughs> you know, this is what I want, God. Would you please help me to achieve it? But that's our plan. And when we're working our plan, we're always consumed with, anxiety and and wondering how this is all going to come together and we manipulate things and circumstances and people to get things to go the way that we want them to go and how often does that work for us not very often right things always seem to turn out differently than we planned and we're always kind of surprised by it and we're frustrated by it well that's because we're trying to get our plan done and that's not God's plan for our lives. So if we would just get on the same page with God, if we just wake up every day and say, Lord, I want your plan done in my life today, and there are certain things, obviously, that I, I would enjoy if you want to throw them in. <laughs> you know? But, but I, I'm going to submit to your plan. And it, it takes such a burden off of us, just living out his plan for us, not what... Other people expect us to do or what we expect out of life, but just accept what he brings our way. Now, it's so easy for me to say that, but it's so difficult for me personally to do it, as well as all of us, because we just normally 
through our sinful nature, want to live out our plan. And uh, God can help us along the way, but it's all about us. Well, again, it's all about God. And that's what we see in Joseph's life. Joseph, again, was born into a large family. They had 12 sons altogether with Jacob as a father, and he was favored. And he had that uh, multicolored coat that made his, at least 10 of his brothers, uh, very angry at him uh, because his father favored him, and I would be angry too. Uh, but uh, they became even more angry when Joseph was a little bit arrogant in sharing some of his dreams about how he would rule over them someday, which is understandable, but not certainly, of course, to the degree that they got angry. They, they wanted to kill him. They threw him in a cistern, and, and they decided to sell him into slavery. And if Joseph had any plan for his life up to that point of following the footsteps of his dad, of having a bunch of sheep and being a wealthy man, well, that kind of went out the window at that point because now his life was up for grabs. But as we study Joseph's life, as we have, and we'll continue in the next week, uh, we see that he had a confidence in God that was very unusual, that he really was living out God's plan. And it was a really strange plan when you think about it, him being sold into slavery. That's not something that we would say, okay, I, I want that as part of my plan. We wouldn't say... I'd like to lose my job in about a year. That, that would be part of my plan. Or I'd like to come down with an illness in six months. Or I'd like my child to go into a wild rebellion uh, when he's 14. That's part of my plan. <laughs> we, we never make that stuff part of our plan, right? But sometimes God allows that in order for his greater purpose. And that's the bottom line is that when we're Christ followers who are submitted to his lordship, we're living for him and we forget that. Our whole life is for him, and, and he'll allow certain things and, and take us through certain things to accomplish his will. And if we fight that, oh, we're just going to be messed up. We need to submit and learn from him as Joseph did. He was a slave, and again, we see the amazing, amazing attitude that Joseph had as a slave, and he rose to the top and was managing Potiphar's household, and things were going relatively well for a slave, and then... Potiphar's wife accused him, and he ended up in a clink, in the dungeon. And even there, uh, he accepted God's plan uh, for his life. He didn't like to be in the dungeon, but he accepted it. And he lived life out there, and he became uh, the head of the jail, the dungeon down there. And then we remember last week the cupbearer and the baker. And they had their dreams, and Joseph interpreted the dreams, and he said, well, the baker, I'm sorry, in three days you're going to die. And to the cupbearer, he said, well, you're going to live. In fact, you're going to be restored to your position. And the cupbearer, again, tasted the wine that the king drank and the food that he ate in order that uh, he might not be poisoned. So Joseph did say to the cupbearer, as you remember, listen, when you... You get back to your position beside Pharaoh. Just tell him that I'm down here in this political prison. I'm in his prison. And I was sold into slavery, and I was accused of rape, and I didn't do it. Could you just pass that on to him kind of as a friendly kindness because I helped you in interpreting your dream? And the cupbearer said, oh, sure, I'll do that. And the cupbearer forgot, right? When he got back into his position, it just kind of flew out of his mind. 
And we learn that two years later, the cupbearer finally remembered. Let's look at Genesis chapter 41. It says, when two full years had passed, that's referring to when the cupbearer and the baker had their dreams fulfilled, Pharaoh had a dream. He was standing by the Nile when out of the river there came up seven cows, sleek and fat, and they grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows, ugly and gaunt, came up out of the Nile and stood beside those in the riverbank. And the cows that were ugly and gaunt ate up the seven sleek, fat cows. Then Pharaoh woke up. So, here's the dream. Pharaoh's standing by the river Nile. And all of a sudden, these cows, they, they just kind of come out of the water. Seven fat, good-looking cows. Anybody seen a good-looking cow? You know, okay, maybe some farm people, you know. You know that's a good-looking cow. All right. I just see cows. But, uh, yeah, a good-looking cow, a fat cow. Good for eating, no doubt. Uh, sorry for the vegetarians out there. But um, so they come out of the river. But then there are seven ugly cows, skinny cows. They're in bad shape. They come out of the river, and surprisingly enough, the ugly, skinny cows eat the fat, good-looking cows. And that's a dream. Well, it's later interpreted that these fat, good-looking cows, seven of them represent seven years of plenty, seven years of abundance in Egypt. When anything you plant in the ground is going to grow. It doesn't matter if you've never been a farmer before. I mean, the ground is going to be incredibly fertile, and you're going to have so much grain, you're not going to know what to do with it. And then the seven years after that, you're going to have where nothing grows. There's no grain. There's no food. Uh, there's going to be a famine throughout that region of the world. So that's the idea. It's the seven fat cows, seven good years, seven ugly cows. They eat the bad uh, they eat the fat cows because uh, they eat up all the food that is remaining and that's what the next 14 years is going to look like. Now there's another dream that Pharaoh has that you can read there about the heads of grain, but basically the same idea. Seven and seven and they eat each other and so he has these dreams and so he gets up in the morning, and he's a little bit upset because God is working in his life. In the morning, his mind was troubled, so he sent for all the magicians and wise men of Egypt. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but no one could interpret them. Now, we talked last week about the fact that dreams back then were a science. People studied dreams. There were classes about dreams dream experts. They had the book of dreams. And so if you had a troubling dream, there were many people you could go to who could help you figure out what that dream was. So he brought the best of the best in, the magicians and the wise men, and they couldn't figure out what the dream was. So in verse 9 it says, then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, now who is the chief cupbearer? Well, the guy who is supposed to deliver the news about Joseph two years ago. Today I'm reminded of my shortcomings. Well, at least the guy felt guilty. <laughs> okay, we'll give him that credit, all right? I forgot to tell you something. <laughs> Pharaoh 
was once again angry with his servants, and he imprisoned me and the chief baker in the house of the captain of the guard. Each of us had a dream on the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. Now a young Hebrew, that's Joseph, was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard, that's Potiphar. We told him our dreams, and he interpreted them for us, giving each man the interpretation of his dream. And things turned out exactly as he interpreted them to us. I was restored to my position, and the other man was hanged. Now, why is he telling him this? Well, he's thinking, wow, nobody can interpret this dream. Ding! God brings it to mind. Oh, that's right, Joseph down in the prison, the dungeon. He can interpret dreams pretty well. So let's, you know, tell Pharaoh about it, and maybe I can be the hero here, uh, finding somebody who can interpret his dream. But, but the question that I have is why... Did Joseph have to wait another two years? Now, when you look at Joseph's life, 17 years old, uh, he was sold into slavery, we believe. And at 30 years old, this particular event, these events took place. So that's 13 years. Now, we don't know how it was cut. Let's just say six or seven years in Potiphar's house, six or seven years in prison. Let's say that he was five years in prison before the cupbearer and the baker came on the scene and then he had to wait another two years he had to wait another two years in prison now if i was joseph and i was thinking joseph's plan my plan i'm saying god what's the deal here i told the cupbearer to tell pharaoh and i'm still here i am still waiting well what's the deal with that well the way god had it planned it out god's plan was that if Joseph was released immediately when the cupbearer was restored, well, he might have been forgotten about. But when this dream came through, which is all part of God's plan, the cupbearer was reminded that Joseph was still in the dungeon. So let's bring Joseph up. We know exactly where he is. He's in the dungeon. <laughs> okay. Now let's bring him up, and which he does, of course, and he interprets the dream. Well, what about Joseph, okay? He's down in the prison. He's wondering what's going on. He's walking blind. We know that he wants to get out of the prison, but he's walking blind. He doesn't know what's going on. For all he knows, he's going to die in prison. And friends, this is something very critical we need to understand that many times we don't want to do. The Bible is very clear about the fact that we live by faith and not by sight. We live by faith, not by sight. Now, some of us, when we're in control and we want our plan, we live by sight. We want to be able to crunch all the numbers in regards to our finances and know that we're going to be able to live to 95 years old and be covered financially. <laughs> okay, That's the idea of living by sight. There, there's no faith in God there, right? It's like, okay, I've got the money, and uh, God bless the money, bless my plan. That's kind of like living by sight, or I've got a career plan that I'm going to follow, and I'm going to work all the angles and build the relationships, and I'm going to make sure that this career plan comes out. God, please bless my plan. Uh, or I've got a relationship plan. I'm going to marry this particular type of person at this particular age. You know, that's living by sight. That's saying, God, I have a plan. Well, that's not the way we need to live. We need to live by faith. And living by faith is saying, I'm not sure how all this is going to work out. 
I sense that God wants to do this in my life. And when I say that we need to live by God's plan, obviously we need to plan for the future. We need to have education. We need to, uh, again, think about strategically how we want to live our lives. But it's all under the umbrella of God's will. We're constantly bringing the thoughts that, that God puts into our mind and say, okay, God, I think I want to go into this career. You know, is this the way you're leading me? Please give me wisdom because I want to follow your plan not my plan. And many times uh, the plans will intersect in terms of your desires and God's plan. But what you need to remember is that, hey, it can be thrown for a loop at any, diff- at any specific time. And, and that's a healthy thing about following God's plan. If you know that you're following God's plan and at any particular time, your life can be turned upside down because that's the nature of life and sometimes God allows that. Well, it's easier. If you're just following your plan and you're so focused in that things have to go your way and all of a sudden God throws you a curveball and, and you get really upset and you become distressed and depressed, and well, it's because you're viewing life in the wrong way. You're here for God. That's why you're here. You're a Christ follower. You're here to serve Him and live out His plan even though that might not be your preferable plan. Because Joseph is down there, and he's living out God's plan in his life, and he's walking by faith. Now, the day that he woke up and was going to be released was like any other day. It was just another day in the dungeon, another mark on the wall. He didn't know that day was going to be the day that would change his life. So what you need to realize is that if you are so intent on fulfilling your plan, you know what you're leaving out? You're leaving God out of your plan. You're saying, okay, the only way that this is going to work out, whatever area of life you're trying to make happen, is if I do these things. Well, if that's the way you're going to approach life, God is not going to bless you. God is not going to do wonderful things and and supply you with great things because you got it all figured out. You don't need God in your life. and, And some of you are living in that way. You don't need God in your life. You have it all planned out. Now, if I get in a real mess, well, then maybe I'll have to call on God. But otherwise, I've got things taken care of. Well, <laughs> we're all going to run into difficult issues. So, so we need to approach life saying, okay, God, this is the way I think I, you're directing me. And I know that things might change, so I give it to you. And I know that you're going to provide for me, whichever way it comes. So that's how... Joseph Joseph was living. He was living in a dungeon. Who wants to be in a dungeon? Nobody wants to be in a dungeon. That's part of nobody's plan. But that was God's plan for Joseph. And then God did something unbelievable, as we're going to study about right now, but only because I believe Joseph was open to God's plan, and he wasn't trying to manipulate things. So, in verse 14, So Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. When he had shaved, which wasn't common for a Hebrew male, and changed his clothes, you can imagine what he might have been wearing, he came before Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream, and no one can interpret it, but I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can excuse me, interpret it. Now, if Joseph is coming from a my plan orientation, he's thinking, okay. This is my break. This is my one opportunity 
to get out of this life that I've been involved in. I mean, I've been a slave. I've been in prison. I'm going to appear before Pharaoh, and he's asking me if I can help him. Well, yeah, I can help you. I'll do whatever you want me to do because my plan for life is a plan of comfort. I don't want to be in prison anymore, so I'm going to approach you in a very strategic way. And so let's see. You think that I can interpret dreams. Well, really, it's God who can interpret dreams. But, you know, I better not mention that God can interpret the dreams. He's the one who's doing it for me because, you see, Pharaoh thinks that he's a God. He's a wannabe God. So it's not good to say to a person who thinks they're God, saying, hey, my God can help you out. That's not real wise. So what I'm going to do is say, yeah, I can help you interpret your dreams. That, that's what a person would do if they were operating on my plan. They're, they're, they're trying to manipulate Pharaoh because they think that Pharaoh holds their life in their hands, in his hands, that is. And that's the way it is a lot of times when you're, working for someone, you're working for a company, whatever the situation is, might be in school, uh, a person has power over your life in some way, and therefore you try to uh, carefully maneuver yourself in such a way that you influence them in a positive way through your power. Well, that's a my plan orientation. God's in control of your life. God's in control of promotions. God's in control of your finances. God is the one you should be talking to. God is the one you should be depending upon. You shouldn't be trying to work the angle so that you can get that person to do what you want them to do because God is the one who can change their heart. See, that's the other thing about being on God's plan is He's the one who can change people. He's the one who can transform situations that you can't even touch. I mean, really, it's a joke, isn't it, when you think about it? It's really a joke... To think that we can run our lives and that we can, you know, get the things that we want. I mean, to a certain degree, uh, we are uh, in denial. <laughs> we think we can do it, but it just doesn't happen. So just submit to God's plan as Joseph did. And you know what he said to Pharaoh? It's a big opportunity, right? Joseph, you're the man. You're the man who can help me. I can't do it. <laughs> what? I can't do it? What are you talking about, Joseph? You want to go back to the dungeon immediately? You don't say you can't do something. No, 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 I can't do it. Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. God will do it for you, Pharaoh. My God. My God can help you. Hey, God. (laughs) not real wise but again we don't operate by the wisdom of men we operate by the wisdom of god so joseph that's the thing about joseph he's always consistent he never changes his game plan he has one game plan submit to god be empowered by god follow god's plan whatever happens it's all about god it's not about me and that's exactly what he does you know we need to not be so politically correct. Look at this verse. Psalm 71, 8. My mouth is filled with your praise, declaring your splendor all day long. Now, how much of that describes your life? My mouth is filled with your praise, declaring your splendor all day long. That's our job. We're to be ambassadors for Christ. We're to be lights 
uh, for God, we're to show other people who God is in our lives. Now, let's go to your job, let's go to your neighborhood, let's go wherever you hang out during the day and you interact with unbelievers. Tell me, how much do those unbelievers know about your faith in Jesus Christ? Do they even know that you're a Christian? Are you in the closet? Okay. You don't want anybody to know because you've got your plan. And to mention that you go to church or that you love Jesus Christ or that Jesus Christ is the power in your life, well, people will think you're kind of like a Jesus freak. And I don't want people to think, you know, strangely of me because that would mess up my plan. Right? Well, don't live by your plan. <laughs> it's the wrong plan. Live by God's plan. And God's plan is he says, I want people in your life to know that you belong to me. That doesn't mean that you go in tomorrow morning and put tracks in everybody de everybody's desk, you know, call me, you know. I mean, you've got a unique personality. You do it in an appropriate way. But as you go throughout your day, as you interact with neighbors, uh, with people in the community, people on your job, you let them know that you're a Christ follower. You can talk about church. You know, I went to church. I had this experience at church. All you have to say is, I enjoy church. And they'll look at you like, what? What is going on with you? Or I spent more than one I spent three hours at church yesterday. What are you talking about? <laughs> I like hanging out at church. Or last night at our small group. Man, we had such a great time. I was there to 12 o'clock. You were at church meeting till 12 o'clock? What do you guys? Oh, we were just eating pizza and talking and studying the Bible. You study the Bible? Yeah, I study the Bible, you know. Hey, you know, you get a new job, right? And you just say to, to somebody, you say, I'm so grateful that God gave me this job. What are you talking about God gave you this job? <laughs> right? Or, or you, you, uh, you accomplish something very significant and, and, and all your employee uh, you know peers are coming to you and say ah great job and you say you know i'm so thankful that god enabled me to do that <laughs> you don't want to weird them out but at the same time <laughs> you know you want to let them know that god gets the credit for everything you're living out god's plan now i know you have different personalities and just but think about it how can you let people know that god is the reason for everything in your life and that you're living for God. Let let the Holy Spirit guide you this week and, and just think of just one person that you can let know that, hey, I love God. God is the reason that I live. I'm totally dependent on God. All right? Be like Joseph. All right, well, let's continue on here. Verse 28. It is just as I said to Pharaoh... This is Joseph talking. Uh, God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Seven years of great abundance, remember the cows, are coming throughout the land of Egypt, but seven years of famine will follow them. Then all the abundance in Egypt will be forgotten, and the famine will ravage the land. Now, this is interesting. You know, there's something so unique about Joseph. Again, we remember that God's presence was with him. So whether he was talking to Potiphar, or whether he was talking to the prison warden, or whether he was talking to Pharaoh, he had such a confidence because he was a part of God's plan. That's another beautiful thing about being part of God's plan. You know that it's the right way to go, so you say things you normally wouldn't say because, you know, God's backing you up. 
you know, it's not your little flimsy plan uh, that's uh, not going to go very far. So, so he, he not only gives a dream, but he says, listen, I got some advice for you. All right, I got my dungeon degree over the last seven years. And I'll tell you, I ran that dungeon real well. You can ask the prison ward, you know, and I have some experience in Potiphar's house. Uh, I was, you know, a great manager there, so I think I can help you out with your problems, Pharaoh. <laughs> All right, and now let, let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food of those good years that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. This food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt so that the country may not be ruined by the famine. What is his plan? Okay, the seven years when the grain is growing like wildfire, you take 20% of that grain, you put it aside and save it for the seven years of famine when there's going to be no grain growing. That was the plan. It's an amazing plan. It's called a savings plan. <laughs> and if all of us applied it to our lives and the U.S. government applied it <laughs> uh, to their endeavor, uh, we'd all be in better shape, right? Well, Joseph says, this is really what we should do. And, and again, God was at work here. And you see... Excuse me if I repeat myself, but God keeps bringing this into my mind. The sense that when you're running your plan, you don't have God behind you. You don't have God working in other people's lives. You don't have the God factor when God surprises you with things because you think you've got it all figured out. God's not active. God's not working as he wants to work. But you see, what's happening here is that God is hes putting this whole plan together. This is God's plan, and so he's influencing Pharaoh. That's why, you know... <laughs> You can pull a guy from the dungeon, and these type of things can happen. So verse 37, the plan seemed good to Pharaoh. Why? Well, because God was behind it and all his officials. So Pharaoh asked them, can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the Spirit of God? <laughs> this is kind of, this is kind of uh, humorous to me as I think about it, because you got all the, the big, uh, powerful politicians who are are hanging around Pharaoh there, all the officials. Oh, yeah, that's a really good plan. And he says, well, who can do this? And they're kind of going, me, me, I can do it. <laughs> I'd love to help you out, Pharaoh. I'd love to, uh, again, take on this project for you. But you know, they can't say anything. It's a, it's a rhetorical question. Obviously, we all know who the guy is. That's what we see in the next passage. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, supernaturally there's no one so discerning and wise as you you shall be in charge of my palace and all my people are to submit to your orders only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you like what this guy was in the dungeon just two hours ago <laughs> And now he's second in command in Egypt. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. That'd be like out in Washington, if there was a minimum security prison, and Obama was struggling, 
<laughs> yeah. Presidents struggle, don't they? You know? That's a big job. But all I had to say, if he said, hey, listen, or one of his cabinet members said, hey, I knew this guy. He's in prison right now. Falsely accused, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I know this guy. Why don't you bring him into the Oval Office? I think he might have some good ideas. So the guy comes from the minimum security prison, and uh, he talks to Obama, and Obama says, you know what? Biden's out. You're in. That's exactly what happened here. Doesn't that just blow your mind? And the only reason that happens is because of God. That is a God thing. That's the God factor. And friends, when you try to run your own life, when you try to fabricate things, when you try to design a life without God, that is never going to happen to you. You're never going to have God blowing you away. You've got to live by faith. You've got to say, God, I'm in an impossible situation. I don't have a job. I'm struggling uh, with my children. My marriage is not going well. I have uh, relational problems with my extended family. And whatever your problem might be, I don't know what to do, but I, I submit to you and your plan. doesn't mean that it's going to be Disneyland after that, but it does mean that God is going to do a work, and he's going to surprise you. He's going to change people's hearts. Until you live by faith, you're not going to see God at his best. All right? And so many of us, we just want to control our little lives, and we think that that's the wisest thing to do, and it's foolishness. It's foolishness. Wisdom is saying, God, I've made quite a mess down here. <laughs> I definitely think it's time to hand it over to you. All right, so I'm giving it all to you. I'll continue to walk faithfully with you. Uh, I'll dialogue with you. I'll, I'll try to sense your, your uh, uh, guidance in my life and where you want me to go. And, and I'm going to live by faith because I don't know how this is all going to work out. All right? On paper, it does not look good. But I'm going to put my faith in you. And that's when God comes through. When you honor him with faith, God wants that more than anything in your life. Well, you read verse uh, <clears throat> 41. Uh, no, 41, 41, yeah. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. Now, this is just not a nice ring that he's given him. <laughs> this is a signet ring. This uh, is the seal that the Pharaoh would give to pass laws, to uh, give money from the treasury. I mean, this is, this is the power ring. This is the ring that Joseph puts on documents that, uh, again, establish laws and, uh, again, spend money on things in the government. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. Just curious things about the life of Joseph. You, you think about dreams. You have these things that repeat. Uh, well, first of all, you like to have dreams. He had dreams as a young man. Uh, that he told his brothers about how he would rule over them, and those are going to come true. And then you have the cupbearer and the baker, they had dreams, and now you have Pharaoh having a dream. Then you, you go back to the robe, he, he's, he's got some nice threads now, <laughs> some really nice threads. But remember, he had the coat of many colors, and then there was the robe that Potiphar's wife held on to, right? And now he's got this robe. 
not any real spiritual significance, but it's interesting. All right, so <laughs> if you can draw something from that, please tell me. Uh, <laughs> threes, I don't know. Uh, he had him riding a chariot as his second in command. And men shouted before him, make way. Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. So a chariot was the nicest wheels you could have back then. And so that would be an equivalent of a limousine today. And you had these guys riding behind him. What do you call them? You call them the Secret Service, right? So you had the Secret Service surrounding Joseph. So within a period of maybe a day or so, he goes from being in a dungeon you know, to riding in uh, a chariot surrounded by powerful people. Amazing stuff. But but here's the point. Okay? Yeah, let me let me go one more verse before I make the point. Genesis forty one forty five. Pharaoh gave Joseph uh, the name Zaphnath Paniah and gave him Asenath, daughter of uh, Potiphariah, priest of On, to his wife. So he gave him a wife and he gave him a new name. In fact, the name Zaphniah uh, means God speaks and lives. So I think it was kind of a nod that Pharaoh was giving to Joseph's God, saying, "Hey, you're God. And, yeah, he's a powerful God, right?" And Joseph went throughout the land of Egypt. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from Pharaoh's presence and traveled throughout Egypt. 30 years old. Amazing, isn't it? We go to the next passage. He had two kids. Verse 50. Before the years of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph by Esnath and daughter of Potiphera. Uh, priest of on joseph named his firstborn manasseh and said it is because god has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household so manasseh means forgetting forgetting trouble the second son he named ephraim and said it is because god has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering ephraim means fruitfulness so every time he called out his kids names he was reminded of the fact that he once had suffered so much but now God was blessing his life in an incredible way. And obviously, every time he said Ephraim, he was reminded of God's fruitfulness to him. So he set up different ways in his life to remind himself of how good God had been to him. Now, let me make uh, this point. The point is that we've been talking about uh, these three things. God's presence, God's power, and God's plan. We've been talking about focus on God in the midst of your circumstances. Don't focus on your circumstances. That brings anxiety and depression and despair. But focus on God, on His plan in the midst of your wretched circumstances. Focus on Him. Find out what His plan is for your life. And in the midst of that, He is going to deliver His presence. Remember how God was with Joseph. He's going to deliver His power. And he's going to, again, establish his plan. So the point is, is that Joseph followed God's plan. And God's plan was incredible for Joseph. Because, first of all, Joseph was being prepared for a very special role. He was being prepared to be second in command of Egypt. He was being, pre being prepared uh, to save millions of lives. Because by saving all this grain over seven years... He was able to feed millions of people throughout that region. And also, he was able to save his family, who came down, as you know. And they were fed. And they were saved. So he saved 
the family that would eventually become the nation of Israel. Then on top of that, he brought his family down to Egypt. And after Joseph died and as time went on, they became slaves in Egypt. All right? That's how they got into Egypt. But it was in the midst of their slavery, in the midst of that cocoon, one might say, that they became a great nation. Over a million people. And then God freed them through Moses. Remember that? He freed them through Moses. And eventually they made it into the promised land. And the most beautiful thing, obviously, that came out of Israel was Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is our Savior. You see, Joseph's slavery and Joseph's prison sentence, things that we wouldn't want to wish on anybody, were all a part of the plan for Jesus Christ to save us. That's what you see throughout Scripture. You see the gospel. You see Jesus Christ in everything. And so, therefore, we need to be grateful to Joseph that he was faithful. All bringing that back to our lives today is that you might not understand what's going on in your life. You might have just lost your job. You might have uh, just experienced a real disappointment in your life. But you need to realize that God is working through that. And you just need to trust Him. You need to walk blindly by faith and trust in Him for what He has for you. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank You for the life of Joseph. I want to thank You that he was faithful and the example that he is. Lord, I know so many times I'm always buying into my plan, thinking my plan is better. It's so foolish. I pray You continue to convict me of that and continue me to focus on Your plan for my life. Lord, I pray the same thing for my friends here. And I pray that we live for you in Christ's name. Amen. In one area I want to encourage you in, uh, Rich mentioned this, but we have our Springbrook Day of Prayer coming up. And I think by this past Friday we only had 20 people signed up, which is really a concern of mine because, uh, you know, if we want to do God's plan here at Springbrook, we need to have people praying. So I would really encourage you to take this out again if you haven't filled it out. And uh, 